to day 152 of Shaped by the Word, our third season, the story of the prophets. We're reading through Jeremiah, and uh, Jeremiah follows the patterns of all the other prophets. He calls the nation of Israel to realize and repent of their sin and warns them if they do not repent, uh, that inevitably they'll be judged. And beyond judgment, he, he gives us the hope of redemption and restoration that will come from the hand of God. But we find ourselves in a section of Jeremiah that's very much... Uh, oriented toward you know the inevitable judgment that will come from God because of the hardness of the heart of the people of Israel they're becoming starting to look more like the world around them than they are that the people that God has called them to be they're indifferent you know to the plight of the poor and the oppressed and those who, who are marginalized they're largely living for their own pleasure and they're largely living you know for their own sense of comfort and, and prosperity and so God is is bringing about ultimate judgment and we continue you know to hear about that as we uh, pick up in verse 4 of chapter 8 and in, read to the end uh, of the chapter uh, we, we need to hear the warnings of scripture but we also you know need to understand that on the other side of this some of the greatest hope that we have in Christ Jesus because the judgment you know that God is pouring out on Israel will be a judgment that he ultimately pours out on Christ on our behalf, making him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might experience the fullness and the righteousness of God. And we're reminded, even though they get to places, you know, Israel gets to places that we hope we'll never get to, uh, that they started with a very simple move back in, you know, Jeremiah 2, and my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, a spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that will never hold water. And we find the inevitable result of making life work without God at the center and where it can eventually lead us. So we pick up in eight, chapter 4 before we read. Uh, Matt, why don't you lift us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the gift of your word. And, and Father, we do pause before we um, spend time hearing from you and reflecting on it. Um, we, we pause to be reminded of, of who you are, of what you've done in Christ Jesus, of the, the reality that you've spoken to us through your word and um, through your spirit. And so, Father, we ask at this time that you would um, use your word to shape us, to convict us of sin, to comfort us in Christ, uh, um, that we may hear both uh, the, the judgment and the hope. Uh, and Father, that we'd be um, shaped and uh, shaped by you and we'd glorify you. Uh, Father, we, we ask in this time that you would fill us with wisdom, um, help us to, to see you in all of your beauty, to behold you, and to be transformed by you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 8, uh, picking up in verse 4. Say to them, this is what the Lord says, when people fall down, do they not get up? When someone turns away, do they not return? Why then, will the, uh, why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit, they refuse to return. I have listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. None of them repent of their wickedness, saying, what have I done? Each pursues their own course like a horse charging into battle. Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons, and the dove, the swift, and the thrush observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. How can you say we are wise, for we have the law of the Lord, when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely? 
the wise will be put to shame. They'll be dismayed and trapped. Since they have rejected the word of the Lord, what kind of wisdom do they really have? Therefore, I will give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners. From the least to the greatest, all their greed for gain, prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They'll be brought down uh, when they are punished, says the Lord. I'll take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There'll be no grapes on the vine. There'll be no figs on the tree, and their leaves will wither. What I've given them will be taken away from them. Why are we sitting here gathered together? Let us flee to the fortified cities and perish there. For the Lord our God has doomed us to perish and has given us poison water to drink because we've sinned against him. We hope for peace, but no good has come for a time of healing, but there is only terror. The snorting of the enemy's horses is heard from Dan, the neighing of their stallions. The whole land trembles. They've come to devour the land and everything in it, the city and all who live there. See, I will send venomous snakes among you, vipers uh, that cannot be charmed, and they will bite you, declares the Lord. You who are my comfort and sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is our king no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger and their images with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound? of my people. And of course, we're reminded of earlier, you know, uh, in the week as we read, uh, the prophets and the priests treat the wound as if it is not serious. Uh, and uh, part of that is a reason there is no healing. And we've heard for the second time, uh, they say, peace, peace, when there is, you know, no peace. Uh, they address the wounds as it were not serious. Are they ashamed of their conduct? No, they don't even know how to blush. And so we caught that in the second part of you know chapter six, and we also catch that you know in, in the final part of our reading as well. And that's a constant you know constant theme we have in in reading Jeremiah this week. And I really appreciate um, they do keep repeating the wound and the wound that can't be healed, and there is no balm for the wound. But yet we love, or I love that it is His wounds that by His wounds we are healed. Yeah. So I love the yeah. beautiful. When you move back into Isaiah, yeah. we, we know ultimately that uh, the, the uh, scourging that brought us peace was placed on Him. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you have a, you know you have the, these pictures of the judgment that rightly belongs to the nation of Israel or the people of God for their rejection of God ultimately falls on Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think we often yeah. struggle, you know, sometimes reading through the Old Testament and we we think it's a different type of God than we encounter in the New Testament and think he's just kind of this cold and different punishing God, but we see his mm-hmm. heart, you know, in 21. Since he says, since my people are crushed, I'm crushed. I mourn. The horror grips me. You know, is there no balm? Is there no physician? And, and so to know the heart of God, he is righteous and just and, and holy. But he also is is a God of, of mercy and a God of grace. And those tensions are often sometimes hard to, to deal with as we move through Scripture. But to know his heart is not to see his people crushed, to, to not um, see them um, not go to the good physician. And, and yet we see so many of those themes carried over in Christ, who does take our punishment, who does take, he is crushed, as Cindy said, and he is mm-hmm. the great physician. He is the one that brings healing 
And so knowing that those tensions do exist in scripture, but they find some of their relief in Christ is always a good way of looking at it. And, and of course, you know, we see in the severe judgment, not ultimate judgment, uh, you know, there still is hope. There still is a remnant. There still is a call, you know, to, you know, to repent. We, we see the horror, you know, of, of uh, the fruit of our sin and, and the ultimate judgment that our sin must come under in this. We see what we truly, you know, deserve in this. Um, or, or not even the full extent, you know, of the judgment we deserve, as hard as harsh as this, you know, judgment is. And, and finally, uh, we see ultimate judgment in the person, in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. This, this is hard to look at, but this is looking in a mirror of the ultimate result of sin. And, and so, when Paul says, you know, for the wages of sin is death, uh, it, it's. You know that that can just be kind of a quaint, you know, little poetic phrase, until we see the extent of what it does in heart, in life, in mind, and in relationship, and the depth uh, of the judgment that our sin, you know, truly deserves. And so this is a vivid, vivid portrait of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the fun things about reading Jeremiah through it is a hard book. I mean, the, it's like we've mm-hmm. kind of asked that question over and over again. Like, man, where is the hope? Where is mm-hmm. the hope? Until you see that so much of what chapter thirty three, by the way. Yeah, so much of what <laughs> Jeremiah is doing <laughs> right now is uh, even this question. You know, uh, when someone turns away, did they not return? Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? Mm-hmm. You know, and he's asking that question. Why do they turn to worthless idols? Why do they keep doing this? And until you get to Jeremiah thirty three, and he says, and I will remove that heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, and I will put my law in them. You know, and all of a sudden you begin to see, man, Jerusalem's tendency is to always turn away, but then there's a God who seeks them and will turn them back. You know, Isaiah begins, you know, the horse horse knows its owner and the donkey knows its stall, but my people do not know. And and you have the same images, you know, here in Jerusalem, he said, you know, the the stork and the rush and, you know, the dove all know their seasons of coming and of returning, but my people, you know, do not know how to return to the refuge, you know, that they they find in, in, in me. And it's it's such a vivid you know, illustration that there's a heart you know built into nature that mm-hmm. you know that has more sense than people who have lost you know their vision of who God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 just that great hope that's held out. You know that He would say when the new covenant comes, you know for, that my people will know me. Mm-hmm. You know, from the, they don't even need to teach one another. From the greatest they will to all the least. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the stay, so right now we see the people do not know the Lord. The Lord is you know, judging them for their sin and they're not repenting, but a day is coming where mm-hmm. this great work of the Lord, you know, will be revealed and, and man, we're on the other side of that. We're recipients of the new covenant. And, and so how, maybe even more quickly should we be, mm-hmm. you know, quick to repent should we be because of the great mercy and grace we have received, mm-hmm. knowing that we are those who now know the Lord. And we talked about that earlier in this week. Show us, uh, we stand at the crossroads, show us the ancient path, mm-hmm. you know, the path that leads, you know, to our rest and our hope. And, and of course, uh, we will see in chapter 29, I know the plans that I have for you, even in pronouncing judgments, you know, plans, you know, to give you a hope in the future. You know, mm-hmm. And that, uh, uh, you know, that is the hope that we have in Christ. And, and it is the hope that we often resist when we run away and do not return, when we fall. And, and when we uh, do not get up, mm. it's been a 
it's been a it's been a rich week in in, in the Word of God. I, I won't say completely fun because we've been confronted with idolatry <laughs> and sin, the harshness so of sin and judgment. <clears throat> um, but because we are people who know the entire story, uh, we know that ultimately the judgment that fell uh, on Israel, you know, partially fell on Israel, ultimately falls on Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, as you know, Cindy has pointed out by his wounds, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, we are healed. Uh, reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Mm-hmm. When you, uh, before you pray, the, the religious leaders of the day say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. But because of his wounds, he comes to us and says, yeah. peace, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave to you. Mm-hmm. You know, because now there finally is peace. Mm-hmm. And, and that word is more than just a calm moment. It's a shalom, mm-hmm. uh, the ultimate blessing of living in the presence of God yeah. and knowing Him. Wow. Uh, Father, we thank You for a week in Your Word. We thank You for sections in Your Word that are hard to read and sometimes hard to face. Mm-hmm. And we know when we see uh, the fullness of Your judgment, we, we also come to face-to-face with the ugliness of our own sin. We pray that you would, as David prayed, you know, search us and know our hearts, try us and know our anxious thoughts, and help us to be honestly deal with in the places where our hearts are growing cold and we've grown indifferent to your word. Mm-hmm. May we be a people, as Isaiah described, a people who tremble at your word or deeply moved by it. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.